about just as much time as we need in order to plan out something good. <laughs> yeah, in eight weeks' time, we can we can spend seven weeks and six days not doing it. Preparing. And then we'll be Essentially, able to do we can it. spend one day preparing and have seven weeks and five days to get ready. There's so much preparation that goes into preparation. It's crazy. Uh-oh. I'm having desynchronicity with your video stream. I had that happen a little bit a second ago, but then it snapped out of it. Am I good now? Nope. You just said all that. It looked like while you were drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I am really good at ventriloquism. Yeah. That <laughs> was very impressive. And you are cooking on this holiday eve, this Christmas time evening. Yes, we're making the delicious... Um, yeah, so we're recording today at... Welcome to Super Superstitious. The Paranormal Podcast about the science of the strange. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And welcome back, y'all. Yeah, we're recording on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And releasing... He hath risen, or whatever. <laughs> right. On the third day, I think, right? That's how this works? <laughs> uh, pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> That's my understanding. Um, we are uh, releasing this, of course, today after Christmas, and... Uh, that's good, um, but yeah, tonight <laughs> we're, we're making um, making a delicious Christmas dinner of chicken tikka masala, which is to say, figuratively, because we're recording this podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, of course, Jake is cooking for his extended fam, mm-hmm. and I, and with my immediate fam, being a child, <laughs> and only one. <laughs> That's true. Up in my rat covered attic crawl space <laughs> oh speaking of rat covered attic crawl spaces um i did briefly very briefly look up rat tail muscles as a follow-up to last week's uh, episode all right and, and i did not see anything clearly indicating anything about their mechan- mechanism of their muscles being kind of mm-hmm. um triggered tail at all clenching. by contact mm-hmm. so no no clarification whether or not that could be a contributing factor to tails potentially tangling in mm. a potential rat king Mm-hmm. In case you were wondering. <laughs> I forgot to ask the follow-up, but I appreciate it very much. <laughs> also, uh, another update. Um, I believe when we released the last episode, I said we were number 80 in Natural Sciences podcasts in mm-hmm. um, the UK. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's not true. We were number we were number 80 in the US last time, oh, and we okay. were like low on, in the UK. And then we plummeted to 225th. In the D- in the U.S. Um, wow, a couple of days after I uh, like I think the day after we recorded, and now we're fully off the charts in the U.S. You know, it just goes to show how transient and frankly fallible those top <laughs> charts are. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was gonna say that ludicrously mercurial scale can also work in our um, in our favor too. As of today, Indeed. specifically December twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, we are eighty eighth in the U.K. Hey, there you go. I think the water just sloshed from one side of the pool to the other, I Pretty guess. Much. <laughs> so keep on downloading, folks. It Keep it on helps. downloading. Occasionally helps us, and then it stops helping us. You know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even more useful, you could leave reviews for us on yes, iTunes. Yes, we appreciate our iTunes reviews. Thank you all to our listeners who have left them, or perhaps random people who have never heard the show, don't even know we're talking right now, but, but really felt like leaving guessing. a review. Yeah, they guessed accurately, which is to say they stated an opinion that flattered both of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Otherwise known as correct opinions. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we really appreciate it. And today, we're going to get into, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. winter slash cold slash seasonal stuff writ large. <laughs> yep, in a very, very general sense. Yes. Uh, before we do that, do you have any interest in a brief follow-up update on the Phantom of the Chicago? Question mark? I couldn't have any less interest if I tried, but I will pretend just kidding i am interested tell me okay the big thing that i mentioned last time um, was yeah was um at the <laughs> chicago o'hare airport uh this is a follow-up on that from back on the 16th do they this just is, call it the chicago o'hare port i wish they would and they really dropped the ball on not having that be the official signage for the whole place um, so back on December 16th at UFO Clearinghouse again, this oh, particular yeah. report came in. 
Um, again, UFO Clearinghouse is the incredibly official, very professional-sounding uh, reports kind of place. And it's the can- Bob's Discount Furniture of <laughs> extraterrestrial encounters stories. <laughs> it's hard journalism, Wyatt. Check it out. Mm-hmm. My name is Redacted, and I live in Redacted, <laughs> Illinois. I'm reluctantly willing to. Um, I'm reluctantly writing to you to report something that I saw a week ago on Tuesday. <laughs> I wish it said redacted. Reluctantly reporting. Yeah, I wish it said redacted instead of Tuesday. But uh, a little oh, yeah. background information first. I am redacted years old, and I have worked at O'Hare since oh, redacted. My God. Part of my job is is to routinely patrol it's the redacted. fence lines. <laughs> yeah, is to patr- uh, routinely patrol the fence lines that surround O'Hare International Airport. My social security number is. I'll list it out here, strangely. Uh, no, Are you I, fucking um, kidding? No, oh, kidding. my God. I was um, about to bite that lure so hard. <laughs> uh, I will sometimes have a partner with me, mostly new hires who are going through initial training. On the night of Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019, I was heading toward one of the airport cargo hubs. There are multiple hubs scattered throughout the airport. This particular mm-hmm. one was the one located at um, on Express Center Drive, and it houses at least six cargo companies. I was approaching okay. the creek headed toward Montrose Ave., when I saw this large person standing down in the creek bed. I stopped, thinking it was maybe a trucker who decided to wander down there to relieve himself. I put on my lights and stopped my vehicle and was preparing to get out when this man turned toward me and I saw two very bright red eyes. Mm. This thing appeared to be looking straight at me and then it turned away um, and walked away. As it did, it unfurled a set of wings and began to flap them. It looked like a large goose when it wants to take off into the air. <sighs> It took hmm. off into the air and it was gone into the darkness. I think he just means in terms of the way a goose will flap for a while before actually taking off. Right. But, um, I think it was just suddenly looking like a goose instead of a person. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, I was left there wondering what the, what in the hell had just happened and what I had just seen. Mm-hmm. After I got home, I spent the next few days looking for similar sightings, and that is where I came across your website. I'm going to be blunt here. I don't believe in hobgoblins and little green men. I'm sure there must be a rational explanation for this. I have a reputation for being grounded and level-headed. I have worked too hard to get where I am and to have that all trashed by saying that I saw a red-eyed flying man, yet that is what I saw. I am torn between reporting this and keeping my mouth shut to protect my, rep- to protect my retirement. If I do mm. report this, I want everything to be done to protect my identity. Uh, the witness was contacted via phone. The witness was extremely hesitant to speak with the investigator and expressed a reluctance to proceed any further, but was convinced to speak with the investigator after assurances were made about his identity being withheld and not being made public. Mm-hmm. Witness says blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so um, it's just Manuel Navarrete going out of its way to repeat everything that was just said. Right. And uh, that's just how things go when you're a very, very uh, hard-hitting uh, investigative journalist like the folks at, or the folk, I think it's just one guy <laughs> at UFO Clearinghouse. <laughs> Setting and sweating his own hard deadlines <laughs> yep. you call this journalism it's not enough <laughs> okay i'll try better next time just yelling at himself in the mirror at home <laughs> yep um so yeah the family of chicago of course is the giant flying bat creature with glowing red eyes seen in the general chicago area a whole bunch since 2017 and mm-hmm. that's the sighting of it there you have it we can now add to its grocery list of descriptors goose-like <laughs> in addition to flesh-like yes indeed and, and fat-like and so if it's if it's ever cold or scared it's goose flesh like Ooh, there you go i think some weird people call goosebumps uh goose mm-hmm. flesh goose flesh what yeah. a gory thing to say <laughs> doesn't oh, specify what goose flesh, flesh. <laughs> any part of the goose saying that gives me goose flesh gives me goose pimples <laughs> Or goose, goose bumps, hives. I guess. <laughs> and for the anti-vax community, goose measles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think we've covered more bases than I even expected with that uh-huh. run. <laughs> A very good update. I'm glad to hear our winged phantomic friend continues to haunt single people at a time uh-huh. <laughs> around the Chicago area. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you want to get into some cold weather, winter kind of stuff? I've got my parka on over a sweater, over a jumper, over a t-shirt, over an undershirt, <laughs> which is to say yes. <laughs> Perfect. I'm just wearing a Speedo. Oh, I thought there was a little more glisten in the uh, 
<laughs> Skype cam than usual. <laughs> the um, harsh glare of the lights against my white skin probably <laughs> blinded the camera so you couldn't tell. I feel as though I'm staring into a spotlight. <laughs> um, but yes, as is traditional, I have forgotten who goes first. Pretty much because I've learned to. <laughs> Um, actually, it's a good point. I wasn't thinking about it either, but I'm pretty sure I go first now. I also had that suspicion. Um, cool. Take it away. Okay. <laughs> so <for> Wait, <laughs> you actually took it away? Hey, <laughs> give that back. Sorry, we'll share. All right, oh, I have for you cool. at first here, uh, to begin with, I have the tale of N.A. Tombazi. Name ring any bells? N.A. Tombazi. A Greek photographer and member of the Royal Geographic Society who made a trip in the 1920s mm. to take some photos in the Himalayas. Oh. So, for this first chunk, I'll be referring to a Nick Redfern article from Mysterious Universe. Okie dokie. I think I've quoted Nick Redfern and Mysterious Universe a few different times. Mysterious Universe usually has a certain type of prose that you might describe as, uh, I don't know. Lilac? Something like that, yeah. Um, Nick Redfern often is pretty credulous when it comes to some of these phenomena, but doesn't always do a uh-huh. bad job. And also With seems a name like that. Yeah. He does seem to, um, kind of rein in the floral language a lot better than mm-hmm. his other, his peers at mysterious universe. So <laughs> he has this to say about this particular, uh, account. I can't wait. It was while at a height of around 15,000 feet on the Zemu glacier at, at a distance of around 600 to 900 feet that Tombazi spied something profoundly weird on the slopes. Mm. He soon recorded his thoughts on this affair, which made for fascinating reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, in account of a photographic expedition to the southern glaciers of Kanchenjunga and the Sikkim Himalaya, um, self-published in 1925, Tombazi said, The intense glare and brightness of the snow, kind of like the intense glare you're experiencing in the webcam right now, <laughs> uh, prevented me from seeing anything for the first few seconds but I soon spotted the object referred to about two or three hundred yards away down the valley to the east of our camp. Mm. Unquestionably, the figure in outline was exactly like a human being, walking upright and stopping occasionally to uproot or pull out some dwarf rhododendron bushes. Hmm. It showed up dark against the snow and, as far as I could make out, wore no clothes. Within the next minute or so, it had come into some thick scrub and was just uh, and was lost to view. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, as Tombazi admitted, the brief sighting of the beast did not give him the opportunity to focus his telephoto camera on it, something which would have surely offered a far more detailed study of the creature had hmm. he been able to do so. Nevertheless, the encounter was not entirely over. A few hours later, and as Tombazi began his descent, he made a detour to where the creature was seen. Although he did not see the thing again, he did find its footprints. There's back to Tumbazi. Quote, I examined the footprints, which were clearly visible on the, sur- on the surface of the snow. They were similar in shape to those of a man, but only six to seven inches long by four inches wide at the broadest part of the foot. Hmm. The marks of five distinct toes and of the instep were perfectly clear, but the trace of the heel was indistinct, and the little that it could be seen of it appeared to narrow down to a point. Kind of tiptoeing around. Yes. Uh, Tumbazi continued with his description of the prints. I counted 15 such footprints at regular intervals ranging from one and a half to two feet. The prints were undoubtedly of a biped, the um, order of the spore having no characteristics whatever of any imaginable quadruped. Spore being an animal track, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, then sort of entrance scrub prevented, me, uh, prevented any further investigations as to the direction of the footprints, and threatening weather compelled me to resume the march. From inquiries I made a few days later at Yaxin on my return journey, I gathered that no man had gone in the direction of Jongri uh, since the beginning of the year. Uh, John Napier, a noted authority on unknown apes, suggested that what Tombazi saw may have been a bear. Napier said of the tracks, The dimensions and the indistinct narrow heel prints suggest as much. On the other hand, we need to keep in mind Tombazi's very own words. Yes, mm. bears can walk on their hind legs. Tombazi's comments on what he saw, however, describe something very much unlike a bear. Mm-hmm. Quote, the figure is exactly um, figure in outline was exactly like a human being walking upright. The prints were undoubtedly of a biped, the order of the spore having no characteristics whatever of any imaginable quadruped. Mm-hmm. Whatever N.A. Tombazi really encountered all those years ago remains an enigma. Mm. So had mm. Tombazi spotted the legendary Yeti? Yeti! Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. I mean, that's conclusive to me. Yep, the end. 
Your turn, Wyatt. Okie doke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I was th- ready. This, this, is, uh, this <laughs> is considered one of the earlier um, kind of Western encounters with the legendary Yeti, the abominable mm-hmm. snowman of, uh, of Southern Asia. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the East's version of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, that kind of thing. One of them, um, at least, yes. And also, notably, the one version of um, of kind of upright unknown apes that I am still open to on the I'm show. Happy I, to hear it. <laughs> on the show, I have made it pretty clear that I don't believe Sasquatch is a thing, um, despite its unimpeachable veracity. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and my main argument against that is and it, it, for a number of different reasons i said that it probably mm-hmm. isn't around but uh, my biggest argument has been there are no known new world great apes but plenty of old world great apes stretching from africa all the way down into indonesia therefore True. it seems at least from a biogeographic point of or view phylogeographic phylogeographic point of view plausible that there could be a species right. of ape uh, in between somewhere along that route um, as they migrated over evolutionary time. To that end, Gigantopithecus is one of the favored biological sort of anchors for, oh, could it have been that? And I know they existed throughout Southeast Asia and perhaps even as far as Australia, but I'm not certain of that. But there are some pet theories that they got over the land bridge back in ye olden times, specifically the land bridge between Alaska and Russia, um, which has since been submerged. Yeah. And, and that, will continue to do so as <laughs> ice continues to melt. Yeah. So good luck. Um, but, yeah, that, that land bridge you mentioned is how humans got to the Americas way back when. Indeed. And that is why uh, the accepted name for indigenous folks of the northern reaches is First Nations because they got here first. There you have it. So back to the Tambazi account. Uh, just, yes. I wanted to mention that very important. Self-published is always a little concerning. Go on. The rest of his whole book was about like, oh, just stuff that I did while I was up there. That's just this uh, that's one cool. little part that people right. all latched onto. And mm-hmm. he himself didn't really see much interesting about that. He's like, oh, I saw someone up there and I couldn't find them later. Yeah. And no one said there, there were no reports of anyone going that way. So The casual tone of the account is pretty cool. So, in his opinion, he just saw a high-altitude hermit of some kind. <laughs> he thought it was just right. some dude <laughs> up there who was like, oh, I wonder who that is. That's weird. Like, oh, do right. you guys know who that was up there? And like, oh, we don't know any- of anyone who was up that way before. He's like, oh, okay. And that was just kind of it for him. So, that was sort of that. Yeah. Very. Could, could easily have just been a person. It's true. But it seems an extreme place to see someone sort of meandering on their <laughs> own pulling up rhododendron bushes or whatever (laughs) he said um which is kind of a feat in itself that kind of report is among the most convincing for me as far as people at least having an experience they can't explain not necessarily you know validating the existence or non-existence of any kind of as yet unconfirmed thing but that quality of just like oh yeah i i want to mention this before i forget saw some weird shit Eh, the end. Yeah. So much more convincing than like, guys, there was a monster. <laughs> that is irrefutably the case. <laughs> and I will now struggle to give you accurate details. Or I'll give you such intensely like minute details that it can't oh possibly God. be real. Exactly. Exactly. I saw it for five seconds, but here is the exact biology of this creature. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, now I have a little bit cool. of a part of an article from Live Science to just give some more background Ooh. on the legend itself. Please do. The Yeti is a character in ancient legends and folklore of the Himalaya people. In most of the tales, the Yeti is a figure of danger. Author Shiva Dakal told the BBC, The moral of the stories is often a warning to avoid dangerous wild animals and to stay close and safe within the community. So mm-hmm. kind of serving a, a sort of boogeyman role for a lot right. of um, cultures in the area. Um, Alexander the Great demanded to see a Yeti when he conquered the Indus Valley in 326 BC. But according to National Geographic, local people told him they were unable to present one because the creatures could not survive at that low an altitude. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hmm. Which I think is also probably a good cover for this insane conqueror guy being like, 
I want a Yeti. Give me a Yeti, goddammit. Yeah. And they'd be Give like, me a Yeti. Uh, we, um, we can't do that. And they'd be like, well, why not? And they'd be like, uh, uh, just, they can't, can't bring them down here. They won't work. Fine. So. <laughs> yeah, we'd gladly take you there, though, if you want to go up in that mountain really quick. <laughs> uh, you can leave your clothes here. It's fine. <laughs> in modern times, when Westerners start, uh, started traveling to the Himalayas, the myth became more sensational, according to the BBC. In 1929, a journalist named Henry Newman interviewed a group of British explorers who had just returned from a Mount Everest expedition. The explorers mm-hmm. told the journalists they had discovered some very large footprints on the mountain to which their guides had attributed a metokongmi, essentially meaning man-bear snowman. Mm-hmm. Newman got the snowman part right, but mistranslated meto as filthy. Then he seemed to think mm-hmm. abominable sounded even better and used this more menacing name in the paper. Thus, mm-hmm. a legend was born. Wow. Yeah. In her book, Still Living, Yeti, Sasquatch, and the Neanderthal Enigma, 1983, Thames and Hudson, uh, researcher Myra Shackley, or Myra Shackley offers the following description reported by two hikers in 1942 who saw, mm-hmm. quote, two black specks moving across the snow about a quarter mile below them. Mm. Despite this significant dif- uh, distance, they offer the following very detailed description, quote, the height was not much less than eight feet. The heads were detailed as square... Um, were described as squarish and the ears must lie close to the skull because there was no projection from the silhouette against the snow mm-hmm. the shoulders sloped sharply down to a powerful chest covered by reddish brown hair which formed a close body fur mixed with long straight hairs hanging downward Oof. Um, another person saw a creature quote about the size and build of a small man the head covered with long hair but the face and chest not very hairy at all Reddish brown in color and bipedal, it was um, busy grubbing up roots and occasionally emitted a loud, high-pitched cry. Oh my god. I would die <laughs> if I were out there. Oh my god. I mean, with excitement, but also sheer unbridled terror. <laughs> yes. So the first part that I read was um, them saying they saw two specks moving about a quarter mile below them on the mountain slopes. And right. they gave that incredibly detailed description of, oh, this that is exactly is kind of what insane. it looked like. So it's oh, nice. Of, They're just a quarter mile away. <laughs> that's an example of the exact kind of thing we were talking about a second ago. Yes. Like, well, we almost saw this thing, and here's everything you could possibly here's want to know about it. all the detail. Yeah. That's true. They didn't have any, you know, visual assistance, no telescopes or binoculars or anything like this. Doesn't indicate it anyway. And, mm, uh, yeah. and even if they did, it sounds like, I mean, they're making this, uh, like, oh, yeah, there was... The height was not much less than eight feet. Like you were How are you a quarter mile that? away looking at just rocks and snow. And presumably snow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nothing for scale. Yeah. Uh, boy. The article goes on to say, it's not clear if these sightings were real hoaxes or misidentifications. The mm-hmm. legendary mountain de- uh, mountaineer uh, Reinhold Messner, who spent months in Nepal and Tibet, concluded that large bears and their tracks had often been mistaken for Yeti. I got to say, too, with a name like that, Reinhold Messner... There's pretty much nothing else you can do with your life but be a mountaineer. (laughs) Um, He describes his own account with a large, unidentifiable creature in his book, My Quest for the Yeti, Confronting the Himalaya's Deepest Mystery, uh, (laughs) Martin's 2001. Mm. In March 1986, Anthony uh, Woolridge, a hiker in the Himalayas, saw what he thought was a Yeti standing in the snow near a ridge about 500 feet away. Hmm. It didn't move or make noise, but Woolridge saw odd tracks in the snow that seemed to lead toward the figure. He mm-hmm. took two photographs of the creature, which were later analyzed and proven genuine. Mm. Um, many in the Bigfoot community seized upon the photos as clear evidence of a Yeti, including John Napier, an anatomist and anthropologist who had served at the Smithsonian Institution's Director of Primate Biology. What? Many considered it unlikely Woolridge would have made a mistake because of his extensive hiking experience in the region. The hmm. following year, researchers returned to where Woolridge had taken the photos and discovered that he had simply seen a dark rock outcropping that looked vertical from his position. It was all a mistake, much to the embarrassment of some Yeti believers. I mean, could be. <laughs> that, um, the, it, it's one of these situations where the follow-up sounds just as incredible as the original. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to return to the site and go like, oh, it's just those rocks, like... Well, well, I mean, I guess I'd have to see the picture and the yeah, rocks. It would be funny if the rock was exactly shaped like the silhouette of a walking Yeti. <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, here's the problem. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, the Russian government took an interest in the Yeti in 2011 mm-hmm. and organized a conference of Bigfoot experts in Western Siberia. Bigfoot researcher and Bigfoot uh, and biologist John Bindernagel 
claimed that he saw oh, evidence of uh, that yeah, the it name. It sure is. Uh, I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, but that's what I think. Uh, maybe Bindernagel, Bindernagel, like a bagel. Uh, claimed that he saw evidence There's of no the really Yeti. any better way of it. Anyway, go on, yeah. <laughs> the Yeti not only exists, but also built nests and shelters out of twisted tree branches. Mm-hmm. The group made headlines around the world when they issued a statement that they had indisputable proof of the Yeti and were 95% sure it existed based on some gray hairs found in a clump, uh, in a <laughs> clump of moss in a cave. And 5% certain it was not real at all. Yes. <laughs> Bindernagel may have been impressed, but another scientist who participated in the same expedition concluded that the quote-unquote indisputable evidence was hoaxed. Uh-huh. Jeff Meldrum, a professor of anatomy and anthropologist at Idaho State University who endorses the existence of Bigfoot, said that he suspected that twisted tree branches had been faked. So mm-hmm. this is a Bigfoot believer, Yeti believer, right. saying, I don't think this is real. Not only was there obvious evidence of tool-made cuts in the supposedly Yeti twisted branches, Hmm. But also, the trees were conveniently located just off of a well-traveled trail and hardly in a remote hmm. area. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's very... not. I don't think he's trying to suggest that the researchers faked it. Um, no, although that's totally that, possible, too. But it may have just been, oh, people knew they were there and wanted to fuck with them. Right. And any number of possibilities there, but ultimately... Generates the media, being, at the very least, yeah. Right. Meldrum concluded that the whole Russian expedition was more of a publicity stunt than a serious mm-hmm. scientific endeavor, mm-hmm. likely designed to increase tourism in the impoverished coal mining region. Despite quasi-official claims of indisputable proof of the Yeti, nothing more has come of the story. Hmm. Well, pretty exciting. I haven't heard any of these accounts, really. Yeah, I thought they're kind of just fun, different pretty ones cool. that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And uh, as far as them finding like, a clump of hair in moss, um, we've seen so many different instances. Even in the recent past, I think you even mentioned one kind of uh, last week where right. there's been like hair samples. People have then tested the DNA and been like, oh, it's this unknown species war like oh it's mm-hmm. some kind of combination of this and that and it's essentially mostly, always a known species <laughs> yeah but then someone else will look at it and be like no it actually if you look at just these particular markers it's just as likely to be these things that totally live there that we know about right and you're just deliberately choosing the part of it that we don't you can't right, get a clear exactly. read on um, and a quick was, refresher for folks at home markers being just uh certain pieces of the genetics of this creature that allow us to kind of like look it up in a dictionary of creatures if you will (laughs) they could be matched with great accuracy to the same bits of dna from other species so we call them markers for that reason anyway go on jake so yeah there's an article i i almost grabbed a piece from but really the title of the article was everything you needed which was that like i think it said like nine different supposed yeti samples turned out to be like two bears and seven dogs or something like that (laughs) Sounds like a crazy fable. Yes. So it all comes down to just people being really excited to believe this thing to be real and then just right. not finding evidence. What, what right. I find really interesting about all of um, these stories that I found, at least for this, is in my generally searching around for Yeti tales, um, most of the stuff kind of breezes past as quickly as possible the legend, the like kind of local legend of it to get into western sightings of things mm, and big uh, and, uh, and photos i mean sorry uh, footprints found and all this stuff and mm. um it even says in this article that really once once westerners got into it and just generally europeans started uh, started exploring the himalayas then it started to become this sensationalized story so and started popping up. oh my god <laughs> yeti may have served more of a um, kind of cautionary tale role in mm. traditional stories in a lot of cases and not necessarily been a literally true thing that people believed, but then mm. it became this huge part of like anyone coming out there going hiking in the mountains, like oh I saw this thing and you'll never you'll never believe it. And we've mm. seen that so much on this trip when we go, we look at Europeans going to other parts of the world, they come back with ridiculous tall tales, <laughs> pretty much always. Overexcited Europeans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Yes, indeed. Yeah, no, that's very true. But this uh, this last little thing about this sort of Russian research um, endeavor mm-hmm. uh, kind of works as a segue for me to one last thing, which is um, a video I'd like to play for you. Oh, my. So let me figure out how to do this again. No, this is super cool. I've not, again, you know me. I hate Sasquatch and everything associated with it. So <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I am suffering through. Um, <laughs> you also did more homework than me. Mine's just. I, I did Reddit today. I went the Reddit way. 
<laughs> I did this in the last like 15 minutes. But when I said, you um, it. when I told you I'd have it ready in a few minutes, I had not begun. <laughs> you did so well. <laughs> Thank you. I can't believe how well you did. <laughs> I mean, I'm just reading other people's stuff, so it's not really that great. I, but still, you 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 did do it. <laughs> you did read it. <laughs> I sure did. All right, are we are we sharing? Can you see? Yes. Now I'm there. Oh my god, my face. I look so gross. Yeah, I was going to say it, but... So here is a <laughs> video. <asshole. laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Maybe I've seen this. Go on. Maybe I haven't, actually. Like a ski-doo. Snow, snowmobile. <laughs> oh, what the fuck was that? What was that? <laughs> I'll stop so it. Freak out as I'll back it up and watch it again. So some so, guys driving along. We are we are seeing a snowmobile. Yes, yeah, sorry, Jake. You say it's a dash cam thing. I'm not sure if the snowmobile. It may um it may be a car. Actually, you can see the windshield wipers down here. That's true. Um, but they're but, on like a snowpack trail, basically. Yeah, way in the middle of nowhere, as far as you can tell. It's um yeah, they're, Pitch black. they're speaking Russian. They have the dash cam because Russia and right. uh, snowing. It's dark. The they have the headlights on, and uh, suddenly they start to say like you can hear surprise in their voices that they notice something. And then they stop and see this thing walk out in front of them. It like sc they, scooches across the trail really quick. And they freak out and come to a stop. So let's watch that And it that looks again. shaggy. It looks gray, reddish gray. Watching with great closeness. Oh my God. That is so fucking creepy. Oh my God. One more time. I'll try and pause it there so we can see if we zoom in some more. This sort of hunched over, but clearly pretty tall, hairy, bipedal thing scurries across their path. It's it's just far enough. It's like at the very near the edge of what their headlights can illuminate. Illuminate, And because right. of the bumpy snowiness, they're kind of nosed downwards, so they're not pointing straight at it when it happens. Right. But it's... Oh, but it's clearly making time. Yeah, and it's like you're and shaking it up snow behind it as it goes. Across. Oh, my so. God. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that, like, if it's hoaxed, it took a little bit of time to set up. And if it's not, yikes, what the fuck was that? Right. Um, so, yeah. Cool. That was creepy. Yeah, so, the um, the legend continues, effectively. Indeed. Wow. Thank you very much, Jake. I enjoyed that enormously. Very glad <laughs> to hear it. Oh, no. <laughs> Now, Jake, I would love to get into my story, but I am noticing in the background of your camera. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed. I, okay, you and, I not, and I noticed in the background feel, of your camera. can feel the warmth as much as I can. A <laughs> couple big old wheels. One up. each in each of our places, I guess. Somehow. Yeah, weirdly enough. I'm, I'm recognizing from the bone, sinew, and sludge coming off of yours that it is the... Uh, Dreaded Wheel of States. It seems like it must be time must for Shadowlands Roulette. Roulette. I almost said dot net. <laughs> Shadowlands.net. <laughs> roulette. <laughs> so Shadowlands Roulette is a game that we haven't actually played in a while, but really are uh, far overdue for. It's when we um, we visit this ancient website called the Shadowlands.net. First put on the old interwebs in 1994, I believe. It's a compendium of all Correct. kinds of spooky stories submitted from different people all over the country and the rest of the world, in fact. And it's actually organized into lists in that exact way. And Jake and I, ages ago, about two years ago, give or take either built, found, or were visited by two giant, let me get this right, prices right wheels? <laughs> yes. Which represent either of those groups. One, of course, being the dreaded wheel of states, and the other being the repulsive wheel yes, of other countries. You. And to choose which of these we will spin to lock in our fates and read an account from one group of places or the other, we flip this massive, fleshy, metallic coin, which has grown from the size of a quarter to now the size of 
pretty much one of those sleds you can use that's really fast. The saucer sled things. <laughs> the yeah. saucer sled. I guess you could also say a garbage can lid. It's bigger <laughs> than a manhole cover. He was that for a while. We kept saying it was growing, but we just kept insisting it was the exact same size for like <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> Its character grew, not its body. That's right. Um, but now its body's grown too, and it's grosser and meaner. <laughs> And somehow in both of our apartments at the same time, despite being separated by I'm 700 miles I'm noticing it kind of doing this weird strobing thing where it's like flickering in and out of existence here. So I'm assuming in the in-between times, it's there. It's sort of like a big beat electron. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> God. <laughs> so I'll flip this first and just pick it up here. And Okay, as I'm grabbing it, it stopped flickering. It seems to just be here mm -hmm. and only here now, which is, I guess, useful. I can uh, see through the camera sort of little roots or veins growing out of it onto your skin. Ooh, 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 okay, I'm gonna flip it. Ugh. Oh, that was not pleasant. It seems to have landed on. Why? I don't know what it landed on. Um, I can see through your <laughs> through the camera <laughs> that it landed that. on the um the dreaded wheel of other countries or whatever we're calling it. All right, let's see here. I'll get up on this thing if you want to take my mic. I will reach through the screen and I'll take your mic. I have both mics somehow. Okay, here we go. Alrighty. Ooh, a very nice spin. I can see it just oh, thank you very much. whipping your entire room into a horrible frenzy. Yes, my room is being covered in blood and gore. Even more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> It will land on Texas. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I somehow can tell this because of my mind. It's going, it's going, and whoa, it is Ooh. in fact on Texas. Texas. Wow. How did I know? I don't know. Well, there's no stories there. Oh, wait, no, there's a shitload of stories here. <laughs> there's so many stories, they had to break it into A through L and M through Z. Wow. All right, here we go. I'm going to read this one. Garland, Lakeview High School. Ever since it was opened in the 1970s, it was always considered the bad school. <laughs> Over the years, it was given the name of Suicide High. Uh -huh. It was given this name because sometime in the late 70s, a boy shot himself in the bathroom. Jesus Christ. Mm. Later on in the 80s, a girl broke the mirror and slit her throat. Ah. A two girls found her. Mm. To this day, there's still no mirrors in the girls' bathrooms. Later, only one girls and boy killed themselves in the school. Many students that attended Lakeview in the mid-90s committed suicide. In the bathrooms, sometimes you can hear footsteps when nobody else is in there. There's no windows in the school. That's what some students feel that make rooms so cold. There are cold spots in some places, and you can hear voices, too. December 2006, correction. A former student reports when she went there from 1983 to 1987, there were indeed mirrors. There was only one suicide she knows off, and it was a close friend. The only truth to the story, she states, is, quote, that we did not have windows in our classrooms, unquote. Scandal! Oh, wow. This is a first for the Shadowlands. Man, getting called out on their own game. This is kind of insane. I don't know how to handle this. I don't think the wheels do either. They're kind of vibrating. They're and vibrating and juddering about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be twisting in on themselves a little bit. They don't seem to have liked that story at all. Yeah, maybe we should uh, we should get to the next one before they have a chance yeah, to get mad. Yeah, so allow me to catch the coin as it comes back into my room. <laughs> yep. Oh, there. oh God, it's happening to me too. The weird veins. Oh no, no, no. and it has landed on. Ugh, the repulsive wheel of other countries. Jake, I'm so sorry. That's all right. I am just glad that neither of us has to deal with the coin, which seems to have just phased back to wherever these things have been storing themselves. That's out of the way. <laughs> uh, I'll just uh, see. If I throw you this um, microphone, will you catch it? Yes. You might have to go outside first and throw it extremely <laughs> hard. Extremely to hard. The east. <laughs> yes. Just generally east. I am ready. All right. All right. You want to go? Yep. Climb up on the wheel. And... Ah. Ooh. 
I imagine that was a good spin. The wheel's kind of off the camera a little bit, but I do see a lot of blood splattering on the wall behind you. And it's landing on Italy. Just gonna scroll around in Italy here, and I'm landing on Florence. Belvedere Fort. On the other side of the Arno River lies a plot developed only after the onset of the Industrial Revolution. Witches were burned there at the stake. Mm. Numerous incarcerations, exiles, murders. During the night, the labyrinthine streets vibrate with preternatural energy. What? Footsteps in the dark on an abandoned cobbled street. Voices in empty alleyways. Churchyards wherein one can see the faint images of victims denied succor. The <laughs> Belvedere Fort itself was a brick edifice that had You're once to divided... Get that <laughs> had once divided the outlying country from the inner city in the Middle Ages. Ghosts, shadows, wraiths walk beside the wall, vanishing Yikes. beneath the street lamps before reappearing anew in the shadows. Children's oh. laughter and singing. A lot of sentence fragments. Scary, horrifying sentence fragments. Yes, that felt like a potpourri of Halloween concepts. <laughs> exactly. But terrifying ones at that. Oh, I say that as I shake in my very booties, which I wear at this time of year. I wear little house <laughs> booties for Christmas time. Uh, but trust me, I'm shaking inside of them. I can tell. Because of scared. Because of scared. <laughs> and that has been Shadowlands Shadow Roulette. Roulette. <laughs> Shall I take it away? Take it away, Mr. Shell. All right. So, today I went to Reddit and pretty much searched winter slash Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yes. <laughs> and I found a story by Bees Gable or Bezgabal or Beshgabal from three months ago. Oh. And the title of the story is, Is It Just Me? Has Anyone Seen Golden Glowing Eyes? <laughs> This is on, of course, the Humanoid Encounters subreddit, so I guess My we've both favorite. brought each other narrative Christmas gifts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so writes Beskabel, I'm sharing this now. I'm hoping someone out there can relate to this or knows about this. Ten years ago, I was living in a small town in northern Ontario. I had three children, oh, excuse me, three small children, a husband, and a golden retriever. Me being home alone was unheard of. My husband traveled on business, but my girls were always home. One and the only night I was ever home alone, I heard an animal. <laughs> I know animals. I live in the north. A lot of my best it, friends are animals. <laughs> it wasn't a fox, coyote, moose, bear, or wolf. I know those howls, especially the moose howl. <laughs> it was a very early spring. The snow where I live is crazy. We built a luge from the top of our property. There is so much snow. So, if you're off the trails, you can sink to your waist. Around 3 a.m., I could hear an animal howling. I was in my backyard. I ignored it, but I but it kept going and going. Mm. My dog finally... Oh, sorry. <laughs> she says I was in my backyard. I think she meant it was in my backyard. Ah. My dog finally came to the side of my bed to look at me. She's in bed at this point. I thought, fine, we'll go take a look. We live in a large house with a large deck. It was up 30 feet from the ground. I opened up the deck doors and walked to the edge of the deck. There is a bridge connecting two decks, which eventually leads two steps, uh, to steps down to the backyard. My dog automatically ran to the bridge to head down the stairs to the backyard. She got halfway through the bridge and stopped. She backed up. She walked backwards towards me the whole way, growling. She's a golden retriever. She doesn't growl. They're not allowed. They're not allowed. She's lived in the north her whole life. There aren't many animals she hasn't chased. I was standing on the edge of the deck, overlooking the backyard. I was 30 feet up. Looking down, I saw something. I don't know what. It wasn't a dog or a wolf. It was like a shadow, a dark shadow. Uh -huh. At this point, Molly, I presume the dog, came and sat between my legs, also looking down. I wondered if it was a bear. I closed the gate to the, to the bridge, 
and I went back to the edge. It was there. The howling had stopped, but it was just a shape. I started clicking my tongue, trying to get it to look up, and it did. It looked right at me, right into my eyes, but it was still. The eyes glowed gold, a sort of bright gold, like someone was shining a light into them, but all around them it was dark. It started coming up the hill towards me. It's at least a 30-foot climb, and the deck sat at least another 20 feet in the air. I wasn't afraid. I was just puzzled. Both gates to the deck were closed, and if it got to the uh, got too close, I just had to go back into the house and close the deck doors. Molly wasn't going anywhere. Wherever I moved, she was attached to my leg. She didn't bark, didn't make a sound, just stayed by my side, looking down. As it came up the hill, it seemed to get bigger. Yes, I know, crazy. It got wider, darker, like bat wings spreading out, but no (laughs) substance. I was still thinking, dog? Wolf? It stopped halfway up the hill. I assumed it was stuck in the snow, which is at least five or six feet deep. With no one going down there all winter, there was no trail to follow. And it was springish, so the snow was heavy, sticky. I guessed it was slowly moving up the hill, but I still couldn't tell what it was. It wasn't trudging or jerking. It was just rising. It kept looking at me, the eyes glowing. It never looked away. I still couldn't tell what it was. I thought, this is stupid. I went back into the house and downstairs to find my husband's trouble light to see if I could get a better look at it. I'm figuring that means spotlight. Yeah. Nope, not in the basement. I went to the garage. It was attached. Yep, there it was, hanging on the wall. I went back to the kitchen, pulled out a bar stool under the counter where the plug was, plugged it in, opened the back doors, and dragged the extension cord outside. Nothing. Gone. Just a cold winter night. Lots of snow. Silence. Normally, that would be the end of the story. So what, right? Except the next day, my brother and sister-in-law came over for dinner. We were sitting around talking when I told them the story of the animal down in the back. My brother-in-law was curious so we decided to get dressed and have a look for tracks. Sorrels, parkas, gloves. Later, we slid down the luge and got off the trail. We all instantly sank uh, sank to our thighs. We plowed through the snow to look for tracks and saw nothing. Nothing at all. No tracks, no break in the snow at all. It was melting a little during the day, so even indents made by leaves in the snow showed. But there was nothing. It was pristine. Nothing at the bottom, nothing going to the top, just a perfect side of snow, untouched since the first snowfall months previous. Of course, I got the, were you drinking, smoking, pill-popping, sleepwalking, dreaming, all of that. <laughs> I kept saying, Molly, tell them. Mostly and she they just said, smiled. yes to all. Yeah, she, and she was like, there was something there. <laughs> Mostly they just smiled and shook their heads at me. But then I saw the cord. After I came in, after it was gone, I was too lazy to put the trouble light away. I had put it under the bar stool, still plugged in, and pushed it under the counter. It was still there, bright orange extension cord sticking out. I pulled it out saying, see, it's here. I couldn't have been sleepwalking. How would I know to find a trouble light? It was at least uh, least minus 15. The cold would have woken me up. Why would I close the bridge gate, which was still closed? I know what I saw. I know what I experienced, and I know it was real. I can still see it in my mind. Has anyone else experienced this? I am not crazy. I was then a 45-year-old school teacher who was slash is as plain, normal, and boring as you can imagine. I don't even watch scary movies. I'm a Disney. Uh, what? Oh. (laughs) I'm a Disney slash don't do drugs kind of girl. (laughs) Has anyone else seen this? So there's a ton of feedback, of course, on this post. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just selected a couple, or specifically one from the most active and considerate member of the community to respond, and then her follow-up to his. I'm hoping that all of the responses were just yes or no. <laughs> just a bunch of yeses <laughs> and no's. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I have. And? <laughs> <laughs> um, but before that, I just wanted to... See what you thought so far. Uh, very cool and creepy. Definitely the kind of thing I'm super into as far as just weird, especially weird backyard encounters. We've covered a couple of those in the show before, and it's Spooky. just always interesting to imagine 
stuff just coming up out of the darkness Ugh. towards Emerging your house the you woods. Can see it and it's and that also that feeling of um kind of invading your own sort mm-hmm. of sanctuary of like this is where i live and suddenly this thing is here mm-hmm. i think my favorite will always be back in episode 10 or 11 whichever it was with um the first introduction of crawlers oh and uh, ghoul things so when that woman had that ranch and they were just like just oh kind of hang at nighttime. They kind of like the and during the day. They'd stay out at the edge of the pasture. Just at night, they just kind of crawl around outside of her windows and just Ugh. kind of faintly screech through the glass. I would love follow ups on that shit. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, eh, I got bored of it. <laughs> <laughs> or fine. she, or she's dead. That's true. Hopefully, the crawlers don't learn how to figure. You know how to learn. Um, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the crawlers don't figure out how to learn. <laughs> That's essentially what I'm driving at. <laughs> <laughs> How to use Reddit is where I was eventually go. trying to steer my ship towards, but I got snared on this weird coral reef of me not being able to talk to you well <laughs> right now. All right, so a person called The Five Virtues, that's the number five virtues, writes back, Golden eyes aren't uncommon in the animal world. So before we jump to the unnatural, let's try to rule out the natural. Uh, I, that I'm is already my liking this uh, five virtues guy. <laughs> What'd you say? I said that's my account name. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Um, I presume this thing sounded nothing like a moose, since you describe howling, and moose don't really howl. You even picked up on that. Still, the way you describe sure its movement—I <laughs> know, right? Uh, still, the way you describe its movement and mass and ability to move through the snow with little regard makes it sound moose-like. Additionally, in deep snow, moose often plow through, and the snow just falls back in behind them, which could lead to hidden trails, especially if it melts then uh, resolidifies over the course of the next day. Still, let's say it's not a moose, since moose don't howl. <laughs> you can't let it go. Similarly, <laughs> bears, uh, similarly, bears don't either. Cougars do, though. They have a variety of terrifying cries, ranging from sounds like a baby crying to sounds like a woman being murdered, and even, Jesus Christ, that sounds like an archdemon from hell broke free and wants the whole world to know. (laughs) The prolonged howling also fits a cougar. A cougar in heat announces herself by basically screaming the cougar equivalent of, (laughs) Come fuck me! (laughs) At the top of her lungs for half an hour or so. The dog freezing up and backing up also seems reminiscent of most canines' responses to smelling something they innately know is higher on the food chain. Still, some aspects of your description don't click with a cougar. Have you researched animals local to your your area? Or even animals known to migrate through the area? And finally, can you describe the howl? You ruled out a lot of animals you're familiar with, so you know their cries. Can you give us some idea of what you heard? A vivid description? She basically goes on to retell her story, highlighting and slightly expanding on the salient details. Mm -hmm. Uh, The five virtues guy is then pretty well convinced, though admits to speculating, that it could have been a spirit animal. Okay. Lost me. So kind of slides from pretty nice, skeptical, naturalistic you know break down into you know what (laughs) it was ghosts (laughs) i actually really enjoy the suggestion nonetheless though assuming the the original poster was telling the truth but i don't think it's anything that we could ever prove (laughs) yes (laughs) um he then asks for even more elaboration on the details such as the bat-like wings um it's having grown wider and darker and the possibility of it even being a hoaxer He also asks for follow-up on the distance to their nearest neighbors and other things like this. So here's more from Beskabel. No, not real wings. No solid anything. Just a spreading shadow on both sides of the eyes. Bat's wings were just the closest thing I could think of to describe it. I lived in a small town, uh, Kapuskasing. Kapuskasking? I don't know how to say it. Not a lot of hoaxers there. Uber quiet. French-English-Catholic community where nothing ever happens. Seriously. My neighbor to my left was a retired furniture store owner with his wife. Lovely man. My neighbor to my right was an 80-year-old pensioner lady. Extremely quiet neighborhood. 
And even if it was someone who could make their eyes glow and was inclined to wake me up <laughs> at 3 to 4 a.m. in the freezing cold for reasons unknown, how is there no marks in the snow? I'm smiling, thinking, maybe in a movie, but this was northern Ontario. Not a lot of movie-making equipment up there. And for what purpose? I never told anyone. I never even told my neighbors. The only people that knew were my brother and sister-in-law and my husband, and they thought I was sleepwalking until the, uh, until they saw the extension cord. And then, like all rational people, just shrugged it off, saying I must have been dreaming. But I wasn't. And years later, it still bothers me. And that is the end of our tale. Very fun. I like that a lot. That's just just an intriguing level of creepy where it's like, well, not like, oh, I saw this big monster charging out of the woods. Right. It's like, I saw something and I don't know what it was. And it's friggin' strange. Exactly. And then she, she also dismissed other folks that suggested like owls. And she was like, nope, it wasn't that. Because she knows she's pretty familiar with those as well. And I, I just like the overall quality on this post of um at least for myself feeling convinced of her belief in her own narrative let's put it that way yeah you know what i mean she she's clearly experienced something i would argue and it does not strike me as someone who just wants to put up something that's like oh i saw a monster (laughs) so um yeah who knows what it was good stuff you mentioned the idea of um like in i guess that that one user was replying talking about different animals that, and how they mm-hmm. move and stuff and mentioned the idea of how moose can just kind of plow through snow right i think we had i think we actually um you and i watched this video on the show once before but can i just play it again we can link Please to do. it is it the moose that just like guns yeah the snow is super deep you can see how thick it is oh, yeah. country skiing in northern quebec in the area where she's describing, in fact, northern Quebec. Oh, yeah. Take a picture of this moose. You can see that the uh, the snow is a good, like, three, four feet deep. Easily. And watching the snow just, I mean, it's just there. And then it just decides it's ready to move. And, uh, boy, does it move. It's coming. Does it come right past them? I think it does. Oh, it goes it? right past them. Yeah, it's just. It is just, chugging. And it it's looks like a train blasting through yeah, snow. Yeah, and right it's now. just kind of it's not like it's putting much effort into it. It's just uh it's just trotting along as though there's no right. snow there. Take a step. It it's it's walking along, it's like kind of looking around, it turns around, it's like I don't know. It's right. strolling around as though there's nothing in its way. They're they're very well exactly. built for huge. I like how everyone just got the fuck out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> they found their path. It's like, oh this is way easier. I like this. They move more. Oh you see, God. it's all the way up to their waist, and then it jumps off the path, goes by, oh and it's God. just full gallop. Full blasting. gallop by, no trouble at so all with the snow. The snow Briefly, does look very powdery, but it is still absolutely deep enough that one would, we as humans, we would not be able to blast through in, yeah, that, in that way. It started using their path that briefly, was cool. and um, was like, "Oh, this is easier, cool." And then mm-hmm. they tried to get out of the way when it's not coming, and they had they struggled to get into the waist deep snow. It's true, yeah. They're like smushing themselves over. Yeah, and then Definitely it just jumps, watch. jumps back into the deep snow and runs off as though nothing could have been easier <laughs> for it. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it is cool seeing how different kind of animals can handle snow and stuff, and so that and that could right. be. There's no reason why the howling and the animal she saw couldn't have been separate things. Mm-hmm. She could have heard some kind of weird howling and then a moose happened to be wandering into the yard because a moose would have no True. trouble moving through the snow and uh, would probably look bigger as it got closer because it would be getting slowly illuminated more. You'd see a little bit more of its large body. I don't know. Right. Um, they are very dark colored fur in the dark and their eyes... Um, People will say, like, if you ever drive in moose territory, people warn you that moose eyes do not reflect headlights like deer eyes mm. do, which mm. is true because they just, it's not because they don't have the membrane in their eyes that reflects light to happen and lose them. It's mm-hmm. because they're so tall, the car headlights oh, just aren't at the, the right angle. angle. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny. So it looking up also kind of helps with the moose concept. Yeah. Because it could be looking it would up be towards. a very steep angle. Yes. Plus... I know she just grabbed for bat-like wings, but imagine a bull moose emerging from the darkness, and it's still just lit in such a way that you can't quite make out what you're looking at. Those big old antlers yeah. would probably seem wing-like and would just seem like suddenly the profile just grew in size inexplainably. Like, inexplicably? What am I saying? 
I'm curious how long they maintain their antlers. Oh, true. Moose good question. Shed season. Bull moose lose their win- their antlers every winter, growing a new oh. pair the next spring. So okay. depending on, but they um, there's videos showing a moose in the snow as he sheds his antler, which is kind of cool. So That's it's cool. something that can, depending on what time of year it is, they may still have their antlers. Um, mm-hmm. But even if it's a cow, they have like their ears go pretty far to the side. Like, there's a lot of different ways that it could. It's so hard to, without having seen what she saw, it's impossible to right. say what it could be, which is true of so many of the counts we try and think about. And that's why it's so fun to think about. It's like, oh, what, what could it have been? Right. That's always the question is, well, what the hell was it? Plus multiple lights. If she had several lights illuminating the same creature from different angles, it could spread its shadow out at a pretty wide incidence from its actual body Yes, as it got closer. Um, but either way, something spooky. Indeed. And something wintry. Yes. <laughs> and something um, you all just heard. Thank you very much for listening. So before we uh, wrap this up uh, on this this Boxing Day episode, uh, I think it's time to thank some patrons. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I received um, a text from Santa Claus and I had to respond. Obviously. Can't leave yes, him on red. It is very much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it is time to activate the end. C. Triple A. Machine. <laughs> and specifically, With the it's Patreon Appreciation Neural Dive for Evaluation of Risk. Yes. So we thank our delightful patrons on Patreon for helping support this show of ours. We love we you guys. So, so much appreciate. Much appreciate. Very wow. Oh no, we've gone into that meme dog, whatever it's called, the doge, doge. or something. I'm ready with jazz. So let's uh, let's fire it up here. Ooh, there yeah. it goes. Wow. There's, and we'll plug it into the base of our skull, mm-hmm. like we always do. This uh, nice little semi-scabbed over opening. Uh huh. Freshly descabbed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And uh, so now we'll just take turns focusing on individual patrons, and we will then Mm -hmm. be able to calculate using the machine and our thoughts which cryptids in the world they should be on the lookout for. Mm -hmm. So should I go first, or do you want to go first? Uh, Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to focus in on Lindsay of Kittery, Maine. Lindsay, perhaps consider seeking out the... Huan cat from Chinese mythology. This is a cat mm. with one eye and three tails and a build comparable to a small mountain lion or lynx around four feet, 1.2 mm-hmm. meters. It was said that if you wore its skin, you would be cured of jaundice. Mm-hmm. I don't presently recall how often you run into problems with jaundice, but it couldn't hurt to have a backup plan just in case. According to ancient depictions, the Huan cat has the uncanny ability to scare away misfortune. Probably this is only true before you kill it and skin it for the jaundice thing. But yeah, <laughs> sounds good. So if you go to China in the near future, this here cat sounds like a good friend, just as you have been to this show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And let me see here. Hmm. Jordan from Clontarf, Queensland. Oh. Damn. Well, Jordan, enjoy sharks, having Christmas in summertime. And getting to suffer through interminable commercials for Pavlovas from Woolies. <laughs> Does anyone even like those? Anyway, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Australia. So, okay, here <laughs> we go. Okay. Oh, God damn. Jordan. <sighs> I sure hope Jake has forgiven you for dogs or being an Aussie or whatever and allowed you to resume listening to this show. Because you need to be on the lookout for the walk walk. Walk walk? Yes, it is finally time. I don't think I've announced this or even suggested it as a possible future scenario, but I've long been waiting for this moment when I have to describe (laughs) this most horrible vampiric bird-like creature from the Philippine mythology. (laughs) Hopefully as a useful illustration, the wok-wok you can think of as very similar to the menangagal and the ek-ek. Ah, of course. Obviously, in that it snatches prey by night, but... Unlike the Menanangal, 
the wok-wok cannot separate its torso from its body. Oh. So this monstrous bird gets its name from the sound it makes when flying. Obviously, if you hear wok-wok-wok-wok at night, <laughs> it may be time to go. If it does get to you, all I can say is prepare yourself to be slashed and mutilated before it begins feeding on your heart. And oh, thank you gosh. so much for supporting the show, Jordan. Thank we you. appreciate you. <laughs> and thank you to all of you for listening. If you want yes, to have you your own cryptid much. calculated for just a dollar a month, you could be added into the <laughs> exactly. uh, Panda Machine uh, thingy. Um, Algorithm. For more than that, we have more rewards available. For any of that, you'll be helping support our show and help us keep making it, which we cannot thank you for enough. So in short, fuck off. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Is that good? I like it. <laughs> I'll say Merry Christmas. And if you celebrate it, a very happy Christmas and happy holidays, and we'll say Happy New Year next week. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. And, and happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. And happy Kwanzaa? Jeez, we gotta look that up too. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave a recording for now. Kwanzaa. Yes. Also still going on. Okay. And happy Kwanzaa. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>